0: we're picking right up where we left off last week talking about the importance of us teacher folk finding our neutral too for our own postural health in the teaching room i'm hitting the play button now and And finding our neutral as teachers is just as important because we're sat on these stools a lot of the time Uh, Or with uh, with the student to the side of us, and I know from my own experience. uh, To my last trip to the manual therapist, um, they said that my larynx had sort of deviated ever so slightly to the right because partly I was teaching with my head to the side, playing my scales on the piano, and talking, and maybe demonstrating with my head to the side, and it caught, you know, caused my larynx to go out of whack. So having an optimal setup.
1: Yeah, I see all the time. Even if I'm working with someone who said oh, I'm a singer and we're coming in working on, on you know, them as a as an artist and I see something like that, I'm like, do you teach? Yeah, yeah, I do. Do you sit with, um, with your piano, with your students to your right? Because everyone has that set. I see it so much. Um, and, yeah, it's true. And it's not just – so I used to get it when I was singing with um, – I was a singer with a big band and – I would always hold my mic in my right hand and I sang with a male singing partner and he always stood to my right. So I always had my right hand up with the neck shoulder muscles activated and I would be turning my head towards him. So it was like a similar thing. And I always used to get my problems on the right. He'd get all his problems on the left. And so once I was, and I used to treat him as well. So once I was like, right, let's swap over and do it the other way. I I couldn't remember my lyrics. I just like it was <laughs> such a mess. Like because oh, again, the nervous system chunks into habitual things, and and it completely messed with both of us to the point that after one song, we sw- <laughs> switch back again. We were like, this isn't working. Um, but yeah, you have to be mindful of those things, and and what we also have to be mindful of is you're, you've experienced. The what people call the vocal muscles, you know, I always laugh at that. It's like then no muscle in the body does one thing. You think that, you know, creation created these bodies and went, These muscles are just for singing. <laughs> for vocal. Yeah. The vocal muscles, what we call the vocal muscles, are part of the postural balancing of the neck, obviously. They're also incredibly important for posture. There's, there's, kind of another rabbit hole with posture, but there's something called the stomatognathic system, which is a bit of a mouthful, Uh, but it's to do with, so the hyoid is the only um, bone in the body that doesn't articulate at a joint with another bone. It is completely suspended in space by um, the sling of muscles. So its positioning is dependent upon the symmetry of tone of the muscles right to left, up to down, um, that attach into it. So if you're constantly shortening the muscles on the side, so if you're turning your head to the right, your hyoid muscles are involved in that motion. And again, as I mentioned earlier, anything you do habitually, the body goes, "That's too inefficient to burn a contraction." I'm going to shorten that muscle so that it holds you there. Um, but now you've got more. So you know, one of the things I do with with vocalists when I'm treating is is you know kind of teasing the the hyoid right to left and feeling which way does it like to go. And if it likes to go left but it has trouble going right, I know the left muscles are shortened and I'll say, oh, do you your students to your left? Um so I always say that the 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 body never lies, you know, you can tell and I sit perfectly. It's like no no, your body's telling me a whole different story here. Um so so yes so we need to be mindful of that there are ways to minimize it turn your rib cage not just your head things like that but also stretch out afterwards make sure you're you're unraveling it at the end of the day and also modeling for students as well so we there's something called the mirror neurons in our body that we mirror what somebody around us is doing and particularly if you're a teacher in a position of authority of, I'm helping you do this the right way, but you're not modeling good posture, then they're going to be potentially modeling yours. So a good, um, quick and easy rule of thumb for checking out your sitting posture, whether it's correct. So typically, um, the, the trap that most people fall into is that they're tucking their pelvis and sitting in this slightly rounded position. Um, at the base of your pelvis, you've got the two sitting bones and the clues in the title, you're supposed to sit on them, not behind them, right? So finding those sitting bones, if you bend your knee up with your finger in your sort of glute area, as you bend your knee up, you'll feel those sitting bones pushing downwards. They're the point that you should be sitting on. Um, and then that sets up those neutral spinal curves um, above it. And a quick way to figure out, so I do a lot of this with instrumentalists who sit to play, quick way to know whether you're in that neutral position or not is when you, if you sit down in your position, then go to stand up and analyse what you have to do to get up out of your chair. And you might need to, if you're at a piano, you might need to move the stool away from the piano to do this. If you're in that slightly tucked position, sitting behind your sitting bones, and I say to you, right, stand up in one move, you're going to have to like fling your head forward and do a kind of body ripple to get you up out of the chair. You have to do this kind of forward rock, back rock to stand up. So then I say, so if I see people going like heave ho to get up, I say, okay, right. This time I want you before you sit, tilt your pelvis into more of an arch, which we're often thought we we're not supposed to do. But as you sit, actually break the hip line, tilt back and plant those sitting bones directly down on the stool, then stand up from there. And if you've done that correctly, you can literally stand up in one movement because your head's over your hips and there's nothing to counterweight to heave you up. So I always say to um, instrumentalists who are sitting, sit down, stand up. If you've done it in one movement, good. You were in the right position. If you had to do a headbutt to get yourself up out of the chair, you were you were tucked and you were under. Yeah. I'm definitely
0: um, a I'm definitely a heaver.
1: Heave ho to get out of the chair.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: So just checking that because it really, you know, it really stresses the neck and shoulder muscles as well. It makes the journey to the keyboard longer because you've taken your middle of your back further away and then your arms have to go forward. And those trap muscles we were talking about earlier are not only neck muscles, they're also counterbalancing the weight of your arm. So when you, when you, sit correctly you might find you need your stool closer to the keyboard so that your arms aren't at a reach you've actually got ideally you want your elbows by your sides and just your forearms reaching the keys same for a desk setup as well it's the same <laughs> the same deal. Jenny um, you
0: would absolutely tell me off with the way I sit at my desk I lit. I push my chair out I swing the chair forward so it's balancing on its front two legs ah. and I my that is sticking out. <laughs> I'm in a constant negative practice.
1: <laughs> you're, you're either too much, too little. You want to find just right. Yeah. That might be a metaphor for life, right? Yeah, yeah. You're either absolutely. too much, i too little, I just <laughs> just right.
0: And speaking of life, I know this was, I guess, about to get deep, uh, but we were chatting before we came on about things like astrology and, and frequencies. And how does life show up in the body like how we were actually really responding to things and this might be a little bit outside of the vocal coach toolbox but if somebody is presenting with a particular pain or complaint or vocal symptom how do we know if the posture is representing that mirroring that and and how how does that manifest
1: Yeah, I had an anatomy teacher years ago who said our bodies are a fossil record of everything we've ever done and felt, right? So everything is kind of mapped. It's like our whole story is kind of held in the body tissues and in the way we carry ourselves. Um, And I, you know, see that a lot as, as an osteopath and I'm also a psychologist as well. So I'm working on psychophysiology. How does our emotional story manifests through the body and I'm the weirdest person in the by the fact of what I do and what I think because people come to me because they think they've got something wrong, like an injury or pain or whatever, and I am the first to say there is never anything wrong with your body. That's an arrogance born of ignorance, our ignorance as humans that haven't figured out what on earth this thing is, this vessel is that we're in. I see symptoms that we're experiencing, the body's always walking working towards health, right? It's always trying to bring us back into health. Sometimes we might have strayed so far that it's not able to counteract it, you know, um quick enough or, you know, uh, uh to the degree that we reduce the symptoms quickly but it is always in health. I mean, inflammation, people always trying to get rid of their inflammation, trying to bring down their fevers. You know, th- these are natural processes. Fevers kill off bacteria. You know, they raise the temperature to get rid of the bacteria. Inflammation, my phrase is inflammation is information and it is healing. You know, if you cut your skin and it you've breached your defenses as you know because the skin is our barrier against external um pathogens then you get it gets red and hot right the inflammation comes to the area because again it kills off any invading pathogens into the area so inflammation is healing sometimes it runs unchecked and we want to bring it down a little bit but um Generally, it's it's um it's it's a healing ingredient. So to denigrate that again sets us up into this kind of battle with our bo- oh this body is attacking me. You know it's it's no it's trying to help you and you're yelling at it. And if you think of a little child who's like, but I thought I did this a good thing, and you're like, oh that was the wrong thing. Oh, you know this child's the child's going to feel attacked. So, if you are attacking your body emotionally because you think it's doing something to you, you're actually generating more inflammation. Inflammation is part of our defense response. We are defending against a potential invader. We are, uh, you know, our gut, for instance, gut inflammation can be because of internalized emotions. And then we yell at our gut for behaving badly, and it just, has to defend itself even further. So you're actually feeding the flames rather than asking the question of why. And I always say with people's symptoms, particularly if they've had something that's been going on a long time, if you're not getting an answer, ask a better question. If it's not resolving, you're either answering the wrong question or you haven't asked a good enough question. And I normally say there's, you know, at least seven whys underneath a thing. You know, someone can come in with a sprained ankle. Oh, how did you do that? Oh, well, I was walking along and I went over on an uneven paving stone. Oh, why was that? well, I wasn't really looking where I was going. Oh, why is that? Well, I was feeling a bit distracted. Well, why were you distracted? I'm really tired at the moment. Oh, well, why are you tired? I'm not sleeping. Well, why are you not sleeping? Well, I'm stressed. And suddenly we're a million miles away from the, the ankle sprain. But unless you're getting to that, what we call the root cause you're not going to you're not answering the right question you're going the council didn't fix the paving stone and it's all their fault <laughs> you know um, and we're outsourcing the responsibility so so when you start to view the symptoms you're experiencing through that lens through a much more compassionate lens you're already bringing down the inflammatory response because you're not in a stress mode about it um, but you're starting to ask, uh, you know, deeper questions about why is that? And I see it often with, um, even with very successful artists who you think have got it all made, you know, they're at the height of their career, they're doing really well financially, everyone's applauding what they're doing. But it's not really what they want to do or well, that style of music isn't their thing, but they kind of got fell into a trap of doing it. And their body, again, I talk about symptoms in the body as being like a course correct. The body's going, you've deviated from your path, get back, get back. So they might be, you know, very, very successful in what they do, but they're like, I, you know, I didn't want to be a pop singer. I wanted to be an avant-garde jazz musician. And yes, I'm successful in this, but I've fallen into a trap of it, but it's killing me inside because I don't like pop music, you know, so... The, the symptoms are an expression of you're not in truth. And truth has nothing to do with society's idea about what success is and what you should be doing with your life and how you should be on this treadmill of earning this much, getting a mortgage and, you know, doing all the things. That's not human, Um That's a societal imprint. And particularly with artists, we're often not fitting well within that societal imprint. And our body can often be expressing that story. So what is the story your body is trying to tell you? And how is it giving you information about how you may have deviated from your true course and what you really want in life? So you should listen rather than yell at the body.
0: Yeah do do you have that same viewpoint with something like vocal fold inflammation
1: totally what what it, what is the conversation you're not having with somebody that's how i often <laughs> again this is like it's you know the voice is such an organic expression people often say oh the eyes are the window to the soul I'm always like, no, it's the voice. Eyes can lie. People come in and go, yeah, yeah, I love my job, and they're painting it all up. But if I'm hearing vocal constriction, yeah, I love what I'm doing. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. There's constriction in there. So vocal, vocal fold inflammation, for instance, often comes from over-constriction, and that may be a technical thing, but there's often an element in there of maybe a story of, I was never allowed to speak my truth as a kid. I was always told to shut up. Oh, don't sing around the house. Oh, you're making that noise again. And now even though you've gone, I'm doing it anyway, I'm becoming a singer, there's still a little, I call it the poker tell, right? There's a little tell in the system of there's a fear attached to me being heard. So even some that's technically proficient, very, you know, sounds lovely, but there was something in their past that said it's dangerous for you to speak your truth. You're going to get in trouble. And there's that little tell and they're just holding that constriction. So, again, as a teacher, you could be looking at as a purely technique issue, which it may be, could be a body alignment issue. Their chins poke forward. Therefore, they're having to use excess phonatory effort to get that sound. But it also could equally be a more emotional story that you're not aware of they might not be aware of consciously that is just just denying them that f- ability to fully dilate that's a hugely vulnerable thing to do um so the 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 vocal area is is you know i i consider doing any hands on work there which i don't do a lot of actually because i normally get at it in a more um uh, sort of uh I can use the surrounding and setting the whole thing up and then you don't need to do the direct work here. But sometimes I do. But I consider this area an intimate area. You know, we as practitioners, if you're working, say, around the groin area, around the breast area for ribs and things like that you need to be very mindful about how you do that and often you you get specific consent even specific written consent to work in that area because you're being you need to be very clear about boundaries and and how you're approaching that area i see the vocal area as an intimate area there's a lot of stuff held there that is extremely emotional and the emotional releases I get from people when addressing that area can be profound and that was that was one of the reasons I ended up doing a master's in psychology because I was already working as an osteopath working with a lot of artists and realizing I'm getting into territory I'm releasing things I don't know how to handle this I need to you know have better training um so for vocal area you know it's it's there are a lot of people, you know, when I'm training, I used to train manual therapists, you know, to do work around the vocal area because it's typically not part of um, a regular osteopath physio's training to work in uh, on the, the deep neck structures. Um, so I used to teach people how to do it. And I would always say to them, you know, you have to treat this as, as an intimate area. And it's, you know, it's... There are a lot of people out there who've had very negative experiences of hands around that area or, you know, or just emotionally not being allowed to be heard. And you're going to be, you know, dipping into that bucket when you when you go there. So I've kind of developed more of a sixth sense of is this just a mechanical issue why they're having trouble with with, you know, vocal fold information, for instance, or is there a, a deeper story there. And again, just like I was saying, when you open up your eye to seeing alignment, you'll start to see much more subtlety and nuance. The same with every time you hear constriction in a voice, if you just allow that question to be there, you don't necessarily have to to you know voice that to the, the student, but just be aware, is there a deeper story here? And again, you'll waken up those senses and you'll start to be able to use a little more subtlety and finesse to go, does that sound emotional? Is this a student that normally had is fine with that, but today that's a problem? What's happened in their general life that might be causing that constriction? Or perhaps we just don't want to push through that today. Uh, so just being able to have that awareness and potentially even have those sort of conversations if someone's open to it, um, but also being mindful of your scope of practice that, You know, you may be getting into territory where you don't have a skill set to be able to handle what comes up. So we do need to be mindful of this. This is very vulnerable expression using the voice and it can bring up a lot of a lot of deeper uh, subconscious uh, expressions.
0: Oh. oh announcement
1: listeners if you've been thinking
0: about joining the BAST community by taking one of our courses but you just don't know which is the best option for you then why not book a free call with our very own Kimberly George who has all the answers head over to basttraining.com forward slash book a call forward slash and click that big blue button to request your free zoom chat That's basttraining.com forward slash book a call forward slash and you can find that link in our show notes too. Now where were we? Uh, uh. It's just a reminder of how each little section of vocal technique that we look at is packed with more than what meets the eye maybe. So we're looking at yeah okay might be habitual behavior or lifestyle behavior it might be that they don't know their point of neutral it it could be the fact that they have a particular medical influence like a scoliosis it could be the fact that their shoulders are rounded because they are emotionally impacted by something and there's so much to consider uh, but also a reminder of why it's so important to create a safe and empathetic space because there is that emotional element that might be attached to those slumped shoulders Also reminds me that if I'm having a moment of low confidence or imposter syndrome, about how I might be mirroring that out into the room, if my shoulders get slumped or I start to round off, am I am I actually telling the person that I'm closing off to them? So how to kind of keep open. There's so much to remember, Jenny.
1: (laughs) There is, there is, and that's one of the key things that I always say to, you know, I used to do a lot of audition coaching. And you're nervous going into an audition, right? We get it. But if you're going into that nervous posture, you're transmitting that to the person you're auditioning for. That And what that comes, again, we have this mirror neuron system where we mirror what we're seeing. We mirror someone's posture. We connect it to an emotional memory that we have. So if you see somebody with those round shoulders and looking wary, that's, that's called universal fear posture. Round shoulders, tail to... Every uh, animal, they've done studies, every mammal on the planet, if you scare them, and all humans of all cultures, because they wondered whether this was a cross-cultural thing or not. So there have been many, many studies done on this. There is a universal fear posture. If you scare anyone or any mammal on the planet, they all do the same thing. They tuck the tail under, they round their shoulders, and but they bring the head up because you'd think, oh, it would be like tuck your head under, but it's actually not. So you round your back because you're creating a shell, right, so that if you're going to get attacked by a predator, they're going, they're not going to get the squishy vulnerable bits that are on the front. They're going to get the hard shell at the back, particularly for quadrupedal animals. But you bring the head up because all your sense organs are on the front of the head, and you need to be able to see, hear, smell, taste the air, to read the environment, to know have I got time to run? Do I need to, fu- you know, to make some decisions? So most mm-hmm. singers that I've seen, particularly in an audition context, are singing in in universal fear posture. So not only is that driving their own emotional state, but it's telegraphing it. We are designed as a survival instinct to read that. If I'm standing opposite you having a conversation and I suddenly go into that fear posture. You're going to do it too immediately, even though you can't see see the thing, but you damn well need to because if I've seen it, it's obviously behind you and you can't see it. And I'm like, oh, there's a thing, right? So we're we're designed, we're hardwired to respond that way. So if you're walking into an audition or even into performance and you've got that universal fear posture, you're literally, everyone's goes, what, what? There's a thing. There's a thing. There's a monster, right? Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily going to sit there afraid, but they're going to know you're afraid they go, oh, she's afraid. She's not confident. Do I want an unconfident singer? If she doesn't believe it, why should I believe it? So you've already distanced them. You haven't opened your mouth yet. They've already gone no. Whereas if you walk in in a nice, open, neutral posture, neutral means vulnerable. Vulnerable requires trust from the other person. You're walking in and saying, I'm vulnerable. I trust you. That's a nice feeling for people. And they go, she trusts me. I want to listen to her. I don't know, it's all subconscious. So again, when you understand the sub, I do a whole talk on the neuroscience of communication and how that for, informs us as artists um, that you become, you run the biology of whoever's watching you. So you want to set up a state that's conducive to what it may be. You want to terrify the hell out of them because that's your character. Fine, you know how to do it. But if you don't, you, you need to know what that is again, again, it's possible options, possibilities. What are all the possibilities? And so I will walk into a room If I was in that sort of situation, I'm not really auditioning anymore, but um, I, I want to know that I'll be the puppet master of all the, the emotional interaction in that room. And I'm going to set that room up the way I want it purely by how I, how I hold my body posture. And if there's someone super aggressive in that room, I just drop into that beautiful neutral they can't do a thing with it because typically what people do is if there's someone aggressive, they'll either go into submission, now you've become the prey and they're going to be, I'm, you know, you reinforce their position as predator, or you go, right, I'm not going to have this, right, and you go into more aggressive, then you're going to butt heads. Whereas we go into neutral, it literally, again, the software program that their nervous system is expecting is not present, therefore it's open to suggestion. Is there actually a
0: difference between posture and body language
1: posture is body language you are you, in every moment you are speaking to people even if you haven't opened your mouth it's non-verbal communication and bear in mind that this predates uh, before we had words right we used to communicate before we we had language and syntax and grammar and all these things. So our our nervous system is wired to read the body language. Body language has primacy over the spoken word always. Again, if you show up to someone in that fear posture and go, oh, I really like you, you're going to go, no, you don't, right? Whereas if you go up really open chest and go, hi, and make eye contact, go, hi, I really like you. Oh, that's nice, right? you are never – the words are meaningless if the body language doesn't match it. And again, they've done studies where – they had people saying something with mismatched body language the body language will be believed 99% of the time it's all like all the investigate all the research into in interrogation techniques who's lying right the body always always body language tells the truth which is great as well when i'm working with performance coaching for artists um it's great when you're getting into real depth of character because you may be like, Mary Poppins and everything's open or I'm Cosimo and everything's curled over. But what about the person who's out, outwardly happy but inwardly angry, right? How do we dial that nuance in? Okay, right, have you from the waist up as open, but your right knee is just going to be just flexing and straightening, just jigging. It's a poker tell. What, there's angst what's that so you put subplot and subtext into the body that's what I, what I love doing with people let's really make the, this juicy all this bandwidth in your body that's telegraphing all the stuff that's not in that vocal line but you want a subtext so you can really take this stuff to extremes but that really requires an artist who knows where their neutral is
0: right yeah and and considering how we can then interpret what we're seeing in front of us in the singing room for example if somebody is belting and their head is pigeoning forwards and creating that tension might we be able to to consider that as okay this person is potentially fearing this note because they've kind of gone into what you described as the as the fear status or the or the shock status and therefore that belt therefore requires a bit more stability and a bit more flexibility other than going a different way and going chin okay larynx position okay tongue under tension that sort of thing
1: yeah i mean i tend to yeah so if i'm seeing something like that kind of the last thing you want to do is draw attention to the chin if you say your chin is you need to put the chin. You're putting more emphasis on chin, and it tends to create more tension. So I, I'll go to. Um, I mean, one of my go-to's for that is okay. Turn your back to me, and I want you to sing through the back of your head. So I flip the photos. Your audience is behind you. How do you convey this emotional narrative through your back? I want your. It's so like back- a game of opposites. Game of opposites. So as soon as they're focused on their back, I, I always say, you know, that feeling when someone walks up behind you and you kind of your attention rises and you suddenly stand up straight. Right. It's like everything wakes up on your back. Sing like that. So I'll actually get them to visit if we're in a you know coaching situation. I'll say, turn your back to me and tell me that story through your back. And then suddenly they're in this beautiful neutral and the sound changes as well. And they're like, ooh, that was easy. Yeah, because you were focusing on your back. I do it with instrumental musicians as well. Allow the sound to come out of your back. People think, as singers, they think the sound is coming out of their mouth. If you're in a good neutral alignment, it's coming out 3D. So imagine you're in theatre in the round. People behind you have paid for their tickets as much as the people in front of you. Sing through that. Allow the sound to come out of your back. So that or I get people to go wide. So I tend to see that chin poking a lot or chin raising when they're going up in pitch. I say, why do you think a higher note is up there? Yeah. (laughs) that's not a reality. It's not up there. Think of a piano keyboard. It's side to side. Let's say your high note is wide, not high. So high is wide. And I get them to put their arms out to the sides and I even like pull on their arms and go... Pull and make that, that note with with width, and it just flies because they're not in their own way. So change the vectors. You'll also change the emotion again because the emotion is attached to the posture. So find that whatever that entry point is for that person. If they're very emotional, don't go to an emotional cue. Go to a physical cue. If they're all about the physical, go to an emotional cue. So it just changes up the software program so they're not running down that same pathway again and again and again. Remember, anything in the body, repetition creates efficiency. The more we do something, the quicker we get at it and the more likely we are to pick that pathway. If you just change one vector of that, you're literally like open slate. The nervous system goes, oh, I don't have a context for this. Let's create a new one. But if you allow them to go down that that same path all the time, they always get the same result.
0: I think I know the answer to this or the answer that you're going to give to this. But I'm <laughs> gonna ask it anyway.
1: <laughs> Nobody too well.
0: What is your opinion on things like posture braces if somebody is like habitually or from their lifestyle having this slumped position Uh, because we know the round shoulders will have an impact on the rib cage and how that might then have an effect on air and that relationship Um, somebody I I really rate um, Chris Johnson's uh, movement series He, he he talks about different postures that we can adopt to kind of get an in to where we might want to work our technique and I really like that Way of assessing. So, listeners, if you haven't checked that out yet, that's that's a really good way of um, assessing voice, uh, and I would really recommend it. Um, but if somebody is really habitually like rounded, like me, <laughs> um, would you ever recommend a posture brace where we
1: sit back up again? Okay, so it's again it, my favourite answer to questions like these. It depends. Um, if, as we talked about before, we've got tissues that have molded into that shape simply putting a brace on and forcing against that, A is not going to be as um, you know, efficient. It's not going to necessarily get you the outcome you want, but it also sets up, because that's going to put a stretch response into it, it sets up a kind of punishment energy around the po- so again, I'm very clear. Yeah. I, you have to be very clear about what are you coupling with the new posture. And if you're coupling punishment, you were doing something wrong. We are forcing you into something new. With that posture, that's that's the emotional story they're going to attach to that new posture. Right. So if there's a lack of compliance in the tissues, that needs to be addressed first, so that we've actually got the possibility of getting there without discomfort. Yeah. Um. Then you know, and there are those kind of like you talked about those kind of crisscross shoulder things that, could be, that can be useful for queuing as long as people know that's what it's there for and that they are emotionally comfortable with going there because again if there's emotional story that they're protecting something emotionally by being in this shortened position again forcing the back here is going to feel like attack.
0: Yeah t- to be honest Jenny I did feel that way when I put one on the first time I felt like I wanted to cry. Yes, <laughs> I, I didn't feel like I had any emotional like thing to unpack I just
1: felt like couldn't breathe and I felt like get it off me (laughs) because it it felt it's it's, weird subconscious stories that you might even have no conscious memory of memories are not stored in the brain right they're stored in the receptors of the uh, in the tissues where emotions attach into these receptors to create and so it's in the you change the tissue state you release emotions you create new you know it's 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 very very powerful and and if you're having that response yeah it was too much too quick you know we can't jump from one thing to another we need to you know start working with this asking questions well why Well, why why am i here and and you just give yourself i know this sounds really weird but i can um you know attest from personal experience this does work eventually um Giving yourself an opportunity to start listening to your body and asking the questions. So I have a practice every night before I go to bed. I lie on the foot of my bed and I say, "Okay, your forum. Who needs to yell? Who didn't I listen to today? Who's got a beef with me about something? And I just let my body speak to me. And come up with, yeah, well, you know, my digestive system. Oh, yeah, I know. I threw that meal at you and ran today. I'm sorry. Okay, that was me. My bad. I'll, I won't do it again. But at first, when you do that, check it. I kind of see the body as a, as a collective. We're made up of, you know, we have more non-human DNA in our body than human DNA. We are host to a variety of microbes and, and incredible beings that make us up. So I see them as like the... Um, is it Despicable Me, the little minions. You know, mm, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, this is this is like the union meeting, right? Who's got beef? Who needs to speak? And check in. And you can do it as like a body scan, running from your feet through your muscles, through your digestive system, through your lungs, whatever. And just go, okay, what's going on? What? And at the first time you'll do it, you'll probably just get crickets, and you'll feel really stupid. And feels like, really <laughs> Why, am Why am I talking to myself? if you again with practice if you allow that forum you'll start to get little bits of information and it's like oh there's why is that feeling tight there well, what was going-? every time I'm with that person I get that tension in my abdomen. What's that about? You know and you start to get into that why, why 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 I was always the kid that drove my parents mad but going, yeah but why? you <laughs> be that annoying kid to yourself. And get into the depths into the nuances and as you as that becomes a practice like everything i don't like the idea of oh i do my breath practice and my yoga practice you have to then put that into context into action as well you can practice it but it's like we don't practice we have to go on stage at some point and perform so the more you allow for this to come up you'll start to get it in the moment then You know, you'll notice things that are happening in the moment, and again, you're providing context to the nervous system. My shoulders go up every time I hear the introduction to that song. What's that about? But if you've never asked that question, you've never had that awareness to check in with your shoulders. You you can have a day, right? This is the shoulders day. I'm going to be aware of my shoulders in every moment of this day and what they're responding to, because it's all information. Your body is giving you all this information. Posture alignment is information that's coming from your subconscious. Again, your body is speaking to you. It's never anything wrong. It is only responding to stimulus. That's it. Figure out what the stimulus was. Now you're getting there. We're just here to be Sherlock Holmes. We're here to learn about ourselves. Be your own detective and enjoy it. Don't go to it with, oh, there's something wrong. There's never anything wrong. It's information trying to be expressed. It's the kid going, but but, but, you haven't listened to me. So don't just scream, right? That's what symptoms are. Don't let them get to the point where they scream. Ask for the whisper and they'll never have to get to the screen. That's, you know, living in a utopian world. But we can be there, you know, we can have elements of that. If we just entrain ourselves that you, you know, you are you, you know, you better than anyone on this planet, get to know you. And as a teacher, if you take that journey with yourself, you see it in everybody else straight mm-hmm. away. You won't have the, oh, is this a this, is this a that. You connect it to you. are. Oh, when I'm like that, I'm feeling that. I bet that's where they're going. So, again, this mirror neuron system is incredibly valuable, but if you haven't done the journey on yourself, you won't see it in others. So a journey to the – and, again, with artists, we tend to always put ourselves last. We tend to be people pleasers, right? We take care of everybody else before us. So when I'm working with that, particularly with perfectionists and uh, those – and, again, I am a recovering perfectionist. Um, (laughs) If if you – It is not selfish to take care of yourself. It is an act of generosity to take care of yourself. Because by taking care of yourself, you're cleaning up your frequency. Then you are sharing that with the rest of the world. We're all in a collective field here. We say don't pee in your own drinking water, right? Everybody's drinking from this pond. (laughs) So make sure what you're putting out is as clean and as coherent as it can be then you are a shareable wave in the field, just like a sound wave comes out. If you hear somebody, everyone goes, right? And if you hear a beautiful note, everyone's, ah, it's affecting their physiology, their nervous system, their biology. You are responsible for everything that comes out of you. So taking care of you is an act of generosity to everyone else. And you cannot possibly take care of anyone else unless you know yourself. So the journey to the self is all we're here to do and everything else just happens naturally as a a result of that.
0: Ah. Ah. Dear listeners, we are so grateful that you tune in each week to geek out with us. It's our mission here at the Singing Teachers Talk podcast to invite you into informed discussions across a variety of topics to inspire your own teaching and to support your career in voice. Now I've got a big favour to ask of you, pretty, pretty please, with a cherry on top. Can we steal a bit of your time in asking for a review, which will not only help us to improve the platform, but will also help spread the word to others who are looking for a community like the one you've helped us build here. You can leave your review over at Apple Podcasts, by leaving a comment beneath your favourite episode on our YouTube channel, or by emailing me directly with your testimonial at alexa at Bass if you've been enjoying this podcast, we'd love to hear about it. And thank you for all your support, Bass Brigade. Bastions? The Talkers? Yeah, I'll work on the name.
1: Uh,
0: uh. As ever, I could always talk to you for hours and um, would love that. And we are so lucky that you've, you've come back on for a third time because we have two other podcasts with you. The first one was all about integrating the musical theatre disciplines, teaching singing to dancers. Um, and the second one last year actually was about anatomical efficiency for instrumentalists and singers who uh, play an instrument simultaneously so uh, all of these conversations interlink quite nicely uh, so thank you so so much and where can
1: we follow your work and and keep in touch with you yeah well best place is my website which is jennymorton.com um and i have a subscribe to my newsletter thingy when you when you go to the website and that i'll that will keep you up to date i'm not i don't send things out every week by any means it's like often could be six months between newsletters but uh but anything that i am doing will be on there um and i am just in the process of setting up for any dancers that might be listening um an online patreon community for everything dancer health and but there will be some musical theatre stuff in that as well but um I will, my plan is that once I've got the dancer one up and running, um, I will then be doing one for musicians and vocalists as well. And it's going to the dancer one is called the Embodied Dancer Health Hub, and then it'll be the Embodied Musician Health Hub, and uh, grow it from there. But it'll basically be online weekly video content on all things dancer health, vocalist health, musician health. Finally, decided to create an archive of all the the stuff I've got so
0: amazing well there's no doubt that I'll be badgering you to come on again at some point so (laughs) thank (laughs) you so much it's been such a pleasure Jenny thank you so much you're welcome if you're enjoying the singing teachers talk podcast And who are we kidding? Of course you are! Share the love by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a comment. Just head to the Singing Teachers Talk main page on the Apple Podcast app and scroll to the bottom to click Write a Review.